typically during the introduction, um, the one that does the welcome, they'll introduce the speaker. And I thought it was a little self-serving if I did that this morning. So as I'm going through my notes, I'm thinking, let's just move on and we'll uh, let Kurt come. <laughs> Thank you, Kurt, for that uh, introduction of myself, I guess. So uh, we are in the midst of looking for a pastor and uh, various individuals are helping to um, fill those gaps as we, as we look. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, during our last Fellowship Sunday, we, we looked at this passage, a verse, these first few verses, and these gifts, uh, these gifts that are given by God to his children, and there are several, there are several of us here that uh, weren't able to make it uh, to our Fellowship uh, Sunday, so uh, for all of our benefit, really to, to look at a few of these verses, just to, so we're all on the same page, and I think there's even opportunity for us to glean a little more with the time we have this morning from some of these verses. So as we did look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, these first few verses, uh, you can let your eyes glance through the, uh, through the text. The spiritual gifts that are given by God, we recognize that they're given from him and they come from above. And in our, our service a couple of weeks ago, um, every good gift, every perfect gift, James says, comes down from above. So we want to be discerning in this area of gifts, as well as uh, when we say there are good gifts, well, what's the opposite, right? There are bad gifts. You say, are there bad gifts? Well, at least there's an awareness. Even in James, there's certainly good wisdom and there's bad wisdom. There's wisdom from above and there's wisdom that's earthly, sensual, and devilish. So there's a little discernment we should have as, as students of God's word. First um, John in four tells us to try the spirits. Why would we have to try spirits? Well, not all spirits, and we might, by extension, spiritual gifts, not all spirits come from God, but try the spirits to see if they are of God. So our, our awareness, our understanding uh, about these spiritual gifts, certainly the qualification in these first few verses are those gifts that are found in God's children, right? So they're the spiritual gifts given by God. God. In the next few verses, there are a couple of things to look at. Um, in verses 4, 5, and 6, God ordained differences in the church. You say, are differences good? Yes. Yeah, they are. They are okay, and they're good. In verse 4, there's a diversity of gifts or a distinct variety of gifts. In verse 5, differences in administrations or ministries. And then in verse 6, differences in operations, or you might have activities or even effects as God works in us. We might respond a little differently, but that's okay. That's okay. But realize this, in verse 4, 5, and 6, it's the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God that works in us. And that theme we'll see a little further throughout all these things as well. Now, one, one additional thing you say, uh, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago. Look, for, Turn to verse 25. This is good to see. All of these things are written. We're going to learn all of these things so that there's a purpose for learning all these things. Here's the negative side of things, that there should be no schism or no division in the body. Division is different than difference in verse 25. There should be no schism or difference in the body. But what's the positive side of things? But that the members should have the same care one for another. So as we seek to love, as we seek to care, all these things, we should learn much from these verses 
with this intention that we should care one for another without this division. But division is real. Um, there's God-ordained division. When you think back to creation, God divided the light from the darkness. We, we understand that. We see that. Even last week as we finished up the music Sunday school, there was the holy part of the temple, right? The temple itself, and then the common area outside, the profane, that, that which is common. And there's supposed to be a division. And we could preach a whole message on division and separation and God's uh, ordaining that in the church. But realize that division is good. And even at the end of the world, when God divides the wheat from the tares, the sheep from the goats, um, division is real and it's good uh, in some instances, but certainly not in the church. We're there to work together and we'll see that even more today. And then in verse uh, in verse seven, I'd like to spend a little time in these next few verses, uh, verses eight through 10, really there's the list of those gifts we talked about in verse one, the spiritual gifts. My intention uh, last Fellowship Sunday was not to look at all the nuances of those gifts, nor is it my intention today, today um, but really to understand that these gifts are given to profit everyone for the common good. And a little more to say about this, there's this list given in 1 Corinthians 12, but it's not meant to be exhaustive. I think we can realize there are other lists in Scripture that may be, um, what's, how should I say, it, that list and that list alone is supposed to be followed, but there are other lists that uh, God says, these things and such like. So we're supposed to discern and continue thinking along those lines. We can find in other, and I thought of it this way as I was meditating more on this, on this passage, if we're asking, what are my spiritual gifts? It's like, should I be aware and alert to those things? Well, not only do we get a picture in verses 8, 9, and 10, but there are other passages, Romans 12, uh, verses 4 through 8, that lists prophecy, ministry, Teaching, exhortation, giving, ruling, mercy. These are some gifts that are given to us, Ephesians 4. And this is more in a, a position, but there are gifts that come with certain positions, like an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastors, teachers. And those are given for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, um, edifying one another. And then in 1 Peter 4 and 2 Timothy 1, the gift is mentioned, but it's in a very general way. So it's not necessarily a specific list. It's like, oh, if I don't have one of these, I don't have a gift of God. Because our focus, look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. God gives gifts, and look at what is given to us. We looked at this a week and a half ago, but meditate on this a little more. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So there's an awareness of these various gift lists in scripture, and I'll point out our focus in verse seven. And let's look at the meditation or the manifestation of the spirit. And I thought of it in this way. In John three, God uses the wind as kind of an analogy. The wind works, we don't necessarily see it, but so is the spirit of God. So I'm gonna kind of use that. We're in the fall. We see leaves on the tree as they Shudder as they shimmer. We don't see the wind, but we see the effect of the wind. We see the manifestation of the wind in the leaves. But when we see the leaves, we're like, there's the wind. Okay, I can see the wind. 
Now, when we look at verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. Do we see the Spirit? No, the gift that's given is the manifestation of the Spirit. So how does the Spirit work in our lives? How do people see God through us? And he, if if you might be saying, boy, I don't know. I haven't seen a, a gift. Because we have these lists we can at least evaluate. It's not necessarily exhaustive. But there, there's something to consider. Um, in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, I'm, I'm going to look at a spectrum. Somebody that's not growing. In 2 Peter chapter 1, it lists like um, virtue, excellence, uh, knowledge, things like that. Growth opportunities for Christians. If a person is not growing, he may have forgotten. He's blind. He can't see afar off. He's a Christian, but he, he has forgotten that he was purged of his old sins. So at one end of the spectrum, you've got somebody that's not growing. It may be very difficult for us to see the Spirit of God manifesting itself in a person that's not growing. Boy, he's just not saying yes to the Spirit. He's kind of far away from the Spirit. It's like, well, certainly if we're not growing, it might be tough to see God's gift or the manifestation of the Spirit in our lives, which should encourage us to do this, to be growing on that spectrum, to allow ourselves to be sanctified. It's like, well, continue saying yes to God, continue spending time with God, continue fellowshipping with God, growing in the word. And as we grow, we allow the word of Christ, I've said it before, to dwell in us very easily, richly, lavishly. It has free reign in our lives. And when that happens, we respond. We respond. And in our activities, in our actions, the leaves that shudder, what happens in us? And people say, right, the manifestation of the spirit is working. And that happens through us. That's God's gift. So the manifestation of the spirit is given to us to every man to profit with all. And it's not just for my profit, just not for my benefit, right? As I use the spirit, it's really for our benefit. And I thought of it this way, as we, and we talked about it, and just in short, if there's only one person that's sharing their uh, gift, yep, there's profit. But what if every single person is sharing their gift? And if I were to open my hands and say, what profit, what benefit do I get? If I'm the only one giving the gift, it's like, okay, well, I don't have a lot. But imagine one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, right? Number us all. If we're all sharing, imagine what that profit, what that benefit looks like as we're blessed, as we enjoy the common good of all of those gifts. Okay, so think of that. The privilege is ours of displaying the Spirit's work or vessels for the Master's use. And then verse 11, but all these worketh that one and self-same Spirit divided to every man severally as he will, God's perfect distribution. So he gives to all of us the difference in gifts, ministries, effects for his purpose, but he is the one that chooses it. And we looked at all these things and we looked at verse 25, and it's with the intention that our care one for another would grow and there wouldn't be any schism or division in the body. And that brings us up to today, verse 12. Let's pray and ask God to direct our, uh, our thoughts, our words, as we look at his a word for us today. Father, thank you for what you have given to us. Lord, the gifts that are given, the diversity of things that we have, but Lord, the understanding. You don't want us to be ignorant. You want us to understand 
that as we love you, we fellowship with you, we say yes to you, you work in us through us. And Lord, that gift, the manifestation of the Spirit is seen not just for our benefit, but Lord, for the benefit of your body, Lord, the church. Lord, it helps to glean even more and see how we can fit together based on your plan in these few verses ahead of us. In Jesus' name, amen. In verse 12 and 13, the next section that we're looking at, uh, we know about a parable. A parable is uh, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. We, we are aware of the commonality of that earthly thing, but now it helps us grow in the spiritual realm. So in these next couple of verses, there's a, not, a, not a parable, but a parallel where God gives a picture that we're familiar with, but there is a correlation with something that's spiritual. So let's look at what that is. Look at verse 12 and 13. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Now, our understanding of Christ, our understanding of his body, and let me go further to say the church, right, the, the body of Christ, the church, is explained through the picture of our understanding of the physical body. So let's look at the physical, physical body as uh, Paul writes here. I think most of us understand this. Uh, it's no surprise when we look at our individual selves. We get up in the mirror, we see ourselves. Uh, we can see one person. There's not a second person next to us. We're the only one that's there. But yet there are a variety of features, a variety of parts that we're made up of. But it's, it's one body. And so God, in creating man, formed man of the dust of the ground as one body, but had many parts. And God designed that body. It's the visible, the things that we can see, also the invisible. We'll see probably in the next couple of weeks uh, as we finish this chapter, the invisible, the things that are not seen. Hands, you, you start naming them in your hand, right? In your mind, you can start naming them. The hands, the feet, the eyes, the ears, right? You can keep going, right? There are lots of parts in our body. Um, and I don't think, as we'll see here, there are a few of the body parts that are mentioned. But if we continue looking at that analogy, the body, we don't go too far by considering how God put our body together. So God gives us the physical body as the picture Let's look at the correlation to the spiritual body. And this is, this is the point of it, right? This is the point of giving us that physical understanding so we apply it spiritually. The spiritual body, God draws the parallel. He designed the spiritual body, and rather than he did this to the physical body, breathing into his nostrils the breath of life, man became a living soul in a similar way. Look at verse 13. By one spirit... Right, that doctrine of the spirit, pneumatology, pneuma, spirit, that, that breath that comes. So not breathing into the physical body, but boy, it's the, by the spirit we're all made to enter into that same body. The same spirit, the same Lord, the same God. We're individuals, we're immersed and placed into that body. It doesn't matter, right? The scriptures say this, Jew, Greek, American, German, blue collar, white collar, a middle class, upper class, it doesn't matter. Now. It's not a guarantee to all that will be placed into the body. Not a guarantee to all. It's an opportunity for all. 
Now, how is this possible? Well, through the drinking of the Spirit. We're all made to drink into one Spirit, and that's not a forcing to drink, but rather the offer of the drink is made to those that can accept it. Think of it as the, the word is furnishing to drink or irrigation in the agricultural society. So the farmer would irrigate his field, but the plant had to receive it. The farmer doesn't force the water into what's growing. First um, Corinthians 3, 6, we're familiar with that. Some planted, Apollos watered, right? And that's that same word of being made to drink. So the offer is made, but those have to receive it. Whenever I think of spiritual drink, the other passage that comes to mind is the woman at the well. When many of us are familiar with that, Jesus, uh, the Jew, comes to the well. The Samaritan woman comes up, and Jesus says, can you give me drink? And she says, why are you talking to me? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. But then Jesus says, if you knew who I was, you would be asking me for a drink. In John 4, 14, Jesus said, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the, the water that God gives, John 3, 16, what else? What is that water? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God designed the body to be formed as those who choose to drink of that living water, accepting the blood of Jesus Christ as payment for our sins to reconcile us right before God. And we all come the same way. It's for by one spirit, we're all baptized. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It's his qualification for how we enter the body of Christ. When we see things like this, it's a good opportunity for us to personally examine our lives. Those that are saved, we can reflect on the time when we were made to drink, when we were offered that drink of the Spirit, when we chose Jesus Christ as our Savior. For those that haven't come to that point of decision, right? the facts are that in Genesis, Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden in Romans 5, and by that sin, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all had sinned. Romans 3 says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6, for the wages of sin. Why do I care about the sin? The wages of sin is death. Okay, we're all going to die. But that death, that spiritual death in Revelation 20, death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. That's what that death looks like. That's the ugly news, right? The good news is that God doesn't leave it at that. Although the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That gift we just mentioned, John 3, 16, Jesus Christ was that gift sent to us, for us, and if we would confess with our mouth, which all of us that have drunk from the Spirit have confessed with our mouth the Lord Jesus, we believed in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we were saved. That's the picture of drinking made to drink into one spirit. And by that fact, that's how the body of Christ is made. So that's the parallel of how all the body parts, right? There are many body parts. There's one body. We have the, the physical body was formed. And we enter into the spiritual body through the drinking of the Spirit, through accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior. So let's look at the next couple of verses in verse 14 
uh, through 16. And there's a little further clarification in this. We might see some additional things like, boy, we've already read something like that. When I see passages like that, I'm thinking, God probably did it for me because I need it again. I might be hard-headed, and he just needs to give it to me again for me to understand. So the body. We understand about the, the physical body, and here's existing clarification on the physical body, but we're looking at this so we can correlate it to the spiritual body. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? So the scriptures further elaborate on this parallel, this analogy, for our benefit for sure. In this part, both the foot and the ear have a wrong perception. Right? The foot is saying, I'm not the hand, I'm not a part of the body. Or the ear is saying, because I'm not the eye, I'm not a part of the body. But this is a wrong perception. So let's look at this. What about, uh, let's, let's consider this. If we said in the church, the spirituality, the spiritual side of things, if a member said, whoa, they look at somebody else. Now that's a gift that God can use that is very effective in the body of Christ. The foot says, because I'm not the hand. Right, the hand has lots of things to do. So someone says, eh, what I have really isn't, isn't needed. Um, maybe I don't need to be a part of the body. Well, that's a wrong thinking, right? Is the foot, the question was, just because the foot says, I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Wrong. It is still a part of the body. So our familiarity with the body we know the foot is a part of the body. We know the ear is a part of the body. So every individual that's a part of the spiritual body is a part of the body, whether we think, oh, it's not significant or not. You are a part of the body. So we know that. So if, can we transfer that knowledge of our physical body? The hand is a part of the body. We know that. There's confidence there. Why? Because we have experience with that. But let's transfer that confidence over to the spiritual aspect of the church. Each individual member. This is God's parallel. And what confidence we should have when we consider the different, right? The different gifts, the different ministries, the different effects, different operations. They're different, but they're real. They're true. They're qualified. They're spiritual. They're God-given manifestation of the spirit these gifts these ministries that we have let's be confident that all of those are important the other aspect when i looked at um verses 15 and 16 when there's that personification of right the foot saying this toward the hand or the uh, ear saying this toward the eye there's an aspect of as church members me as members of the body to be decidedly content with what we have. And we're going to look a little further later, which that needs to be qualified. But whether it's specifically reached as far as the interpretation of this passage or not, when I see that, and it reinforces other areas in scripture, when God says contentment is good, right? Godliness with contentment is great gain, right? Those paired together are great gain. 
So if this passage of scripture encourages me to be content, not looking elsewhere, but rather what God has given, we've already seen God has placed for his pleasure, and we'll see that in the next couple of verses, be content, I'll take and keep what I have. All right, so let's look at verse 17. And God gives us an extreme scenario here. So the inspired example shows what this thinking might look like if we had our way. This is, might be a wrong perception, but if I had my way, look at this. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? So you imagine a parts of our physical body personified, of course. They're like, hey, the eye has such great um, opportunities or that's very important for the body. Let's, let's all be the eye because that's so important. Let's all be the eye. Can you picture what would happen if we were all the eye, this great big eyeball just rolling around? But then look at this. All right. It, it's almost, as I'm reading it, it's almost immature in our thinking because, okay, let's all be the eye. And then somebody instructed, you realize if everybody's the eye, nobody's going to be hearing. They're like, oh yeah, the hearing's important. Let's all be the hearing. So let's all not be the eye, but let's all be the ear. So you have this big ear. And the same thing, it goes on. If we're all with the ear, what about the smelling? So it's not about choosing and everybody doing that one thing because it's not a body. It's just that one part. So let's look at verse uh, section eight or this eighth, eighth section verses 18 through 20. our course correction or God's way. We might have a wrong perception. Let's be corrected. Look at what God says. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, the eye or the ear or the nose, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. So verse 18, God has set the members, every one of them, as it hath pleased him. Very similar to verse 11, um, where it's God that works. All these worketh that one and self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. It's God's will, it's God's desire to give these gifts whom he chooses. Whenever I see that, the end of uh, verse 18, as it hath pleased him. It's always a good reminder for me. Could be a good reminder for us. God made all things, right? We remember that uh, phrase, and for his pleasure, we are and were created. So anytime I see things that this pleases God or without faith, it is impossible to please him. It says, if I subscribe to this instruction, that is pleasing to God. We want to be pleasing to God because we were made for him, by him, and for his pleasure. So as I submit and I subject myself to his instruction, realizing that if we were all one, one member, where were the body? We are many members. We are, we're created, we are given gifts, we are members of the body, and this is God's way. This is God's way. He knows the human body better than us. He's the designer. He knows the spiritual body 
better than us. Again, he's the designer. He's the one that defined and designed how the body is made. It's not the single gift, the single ministry, the single effect, or our response. Um, but rather, it's many individuals displaying our differing the manifestations of the Spirit together forming the body, the church. I'd like to share a, a personal story as we work toward you know closing this morning. As we look at our differing gifts, differing is okay. <laughs> Having different gifts is okay. And really the parallel of the physical body, as we saw, um, and then the parallel with the with the spiritual body. So with that in mind, I can remember, and maybe you guys can remember too, it's when, when I was in kindergarten. Take your minds back. You've got your teacher. You're learning things for the first time. I can remember the paper that we worked on. It's like the lines were like this big. Like you're writing letters. It's almost like takes your arm to, to write them as, you, as you're learning. And as I was, my teacher, I thought of this. This is, this is extra. I thought of this this morning or last night. As your teacher came up to you and as you're learning to write, you've got that big pencil in your hand. But she comes up. Well, at least my teacher would put her hand over my hand and help me learn to write. And I thought of, you know, how is the spirit, our paraclete, the comforter, the one that comes alongside and helps us in different things in life? Okay, anyway, back to, as I'm learning in, in kindergarten, I'm learning things, my teacher observed something in me. She'd help me with my left hand, and then she'd have to help me with my right hand. I was switching pencils back and forth. And of course, parent-teacher conferences or something, she talks to my parents, is like, this isn't going to work. So let, let's, let's have him choose one hand. And I don't remember I was told this, but evidently I chose my left hand. So, hey, you know, kindergarten, first, second, third, up through high school. Hey, I learned to use the left hand, which is great. All my sports was right-handed, throwing, shooting, kicking, all of that fun stuff. And then, of course, you get to college, freshman year in college, and it's the spiral notebook, the three-ring binders, the technology of the day. And it's like, all right, yep, and I'm writing to no end, right? You're taking notes in college, you know, cramping up. you got the hook going on. You're dragging through ink. Um, notebook rings are in the way. I'm thinking, it would have been really nice if I had learned to write or continued in a parallel way to write with my right hand as well. And of course, par for the course for Rob Lemon, it was, well, why can't I start learning now? And so over the course of the next three years, it was hard, right? It's all that practice homework that you do before you write it out and you submit it uh, for some of those engineering mathematical uh, courses that I was taking. But after three, four years, I was submitting coursework with my right hand. And today, I'm as comfortable writing with my right hand as I am my left hand. Fun story, but the lesson is not in the fun, right? The lesson is in the value. The value is in the lesson that we share. So what, what, is, the, what is the lesson? If we were to apply those parallel thoughts, look at the body, look what the body knows. God designs the body. We can do multiple things, right, with, with the left hand, the right hand. Think of this. Have you ever seen me, I have to write something, my right hand grabs for a pen. My left hand grabs for a pen. It's like, oh, you've got to write this. And they both fight for the same spot on the page. And they're trying to write back and forth. 
okay, you guys are laughing because that's ludicrous. No way. No way that's going to that's not going to happen. Now you say why. Now why? Okay. So the hands, at least here, are subservient to the head. The head is ruling what's happening. Parallel thought spiritually, what happens when we may have similar similar uh, gifts, similar uh, opportunities, but we're ruled by the same head, and that head is Christ. When we're subservient, submitted to his will, and we do according to him, it works together. You don't find that. You don't find the division, but you rather find the comfort. What happens when I have to write with the right hand, the left hand turns the page, holds it so the wind doesn't blow it away, and I'm writing. They're working. They're working together. I don't want to lose that. Um, okay, look at verse 15. Chapter 12, verse 15. What if this parallel played out in my life? If the foot said, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. What if the right hand early on said, you know what? I don't get to write. Evidently, I'm not needed. And so the foot said, I'm not of the body. What if the right hand said, I'm not of the body. Go ahead and radically remove me from the body. Uh-uh, right? We don't think that way because we know, we know the right hand is important. We know the right hand is important. Is it too extreme? The Bible doesn't necessarily go to that radical removal side of things, but at least that foot is thinking, right? That wrong perception, I'm not of the body. It still was a part of the body. The right hand was still a part of the body. Don't, don't remove it. So, so it is with our spiritual gifts. We can apply that. Now we can, it, it was a great story, but the lesson is there and we can apply it spiritually. Let me share one other thing. Another parallel of the body, the kidney. The kidney. What, what's an interesting fact about the kidney? We have two of them, but we can live with just one of them. Okay? Now, we can survive, yes, but I ask myself, can we thrive? Well, there are some limitations. There are some limitations. We can live with one, but there are some limitations. If you remove one, the limitations are real. Parallel, parallel to the spiritual body, if there are two similar gifts, think of this. There's certainly recognizable relief with two. Now, this is a good thing. We don't have a pastor right now. I guess take it with a grain of salt. We don't have a pastor right now, which it's good that we can speak freely, right? It's sometimes it's difficult when a pastor's here and you're trying to speak something, but they're there and you're like, I want to be cautious. I don't want to offend but we can speak freely. So now think of this. We are learning as a church. We are learning how to minister, how to serve without a pastor. As far as two kidneys are concerned, we may only have one. Are there limitations? Yeah, there are. We're experiencing those, but we are living, right? We're, we're, we're alive, which is good. Now, we're here and we're learning. When we get a pastor, Okay, are we going to say, oh, good thing I'm done with that. You know, I learned all to do that thing, do those things. What, what happens? We still only have one doing those things. 
it's still a stress on the body, but rather when we're all there. Both are still doing the, that function of purifying, of course, in the physical body, they're purifying the blood. In us, we're serving together. And as we serve together, there's relief, right, by having two. And you can think of the kinds of relief that may be in the spiritual body, maybe not just with the pastor, with all the rest of us as well in the variety of gifts that God has given. We can serve together. It's a great thing. I, I mentioned these things. There's joy and diversity of ministry. If we were all the eye, there's, there's no diversity. And, and you just have that eyeball. But there, that which is one, but really there are many, many members. But there's also joy in serving with similarities. I think of the music ministry because I'm pretty involved. It is a joy when you can pair with someone and it's not just one person, right? You get a chance to Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, instead of just all being on one, there's a break. Art goes to speak in Canada. We have someone that fills the spot, right? It, it, we're working together which is a great thing. So there's joy in diversity of ministry, joy in serving with similarities. Now, before Kirk comes, let me just ask these things. We have all been around for a long time. We've all been around God's word for a long time. It's not about, we probably have heard messages on the body of Christ, the foot, the ear, at least once, maybe even more. So it's not about our knowledge, what we know is in God's word. We, we know what's there. It's probably not even about us being convicted in a variety of ways. I can think of when Pastor Joe was just here a couple of weeks ago, maybe three, and he is preaching on evangelism. And it's like, I was convicted. It's like, I need to be more sensitive. Probably many of us were thinking we could do a better job of being aware of those around us. So the conviction, we're still sensitive to the conviction. It's not about knowledge, we know. It's probably not even about conviction because we're sensitive to that. What's the last thing? If we make a decision, there needs to be action. I have to do something about that. Decision, actions, right, results in obedience to God. Uh, do we want to find ourselves blind and afar off, forgetting that we were purged from our old sins, or on the other end, listening to God, obeying God, fellowshipping with him, allowing the manifestation of the spirit to be seen, right? The, the wind blows and the leaves shudder. As the spirit works in our lives, we have a chance to let others benefit from those gifts. You think about that often our songs encourage us or call us to uh, reflect. So let's, let's sing uh, the song.